0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Understanding Macbeth. My name is Gemma Nemeth, and in this podcast, we go through some of the key scenes from the play, translating the language, identifying literary techniques and useful quotes, and analyzing the characters, structure, and themes of the play in order to help you prepare for your exams. If you want to access additional episodes and other exclusive content, you can find more information about the full online Macbeth course at www.advanceacademic.co.uk forward slash Macbeth hyphen course. And if you listen until the end of today's episode, you will get a discount code for 20% off. Now let's get started with today's episode. Act 4, Scene 2. Act 4, Scene 2 is set in Macduff's castle we get a significant contrast between the extraordinary otherworldly scene of Macbeth seeing the apparitions, and this next scene, which moves to the private and the domestic realm. Lady Macduff is talking to Ross. She is angry that her husband has abandoned them. But Ross is trying to justify Macduff's actions and decision, and comfort Lady Macduff. Lady Macduff points out that, When our actions do not, our fears do make us traitors. Meaning that although they haven't done anything wrong, running away makes it look as if they are guilty of something. In this scene, we get a great deal of pathos, P-A-T-H-O-S, which is where we get the word pathetic from. Pathetic didn't originally mean that somebody was weak or useless. It just meant that they caused you to feel pity. So when we say that Shakespeare creates pathos for the audience, we mean he causes them to feel pity. Here, that pity is for Lady Macduff and her children. One of the most moving lines is when Lady Macduff says, he loves us not. She goes on to say that he wants the natural touch, meaning that he lacks affectionate feelings. Her only possible explanation for why Macduff would flee and leave them behind in such dangerous times is that he doesn't love them, he doesn't have any affectionate feelings for them. You could compare this to Lady Macbeth, complaining that Macbeth had too much kindness, as Lady Macduff is saying that her husband does not have enough. She then compares Macduff to a wren, saying that even though the wren is the most diminutive of birds, so an extremely small bird, it would still stay in the nest to fight an owl away from her young. So she's saying that even this tiny, vulnerable little bird is braver and more caring than Macduff. Ross tries to comfort her. My dearest cuz, he says. Note that although cuz is short for cousin, at the time this was a general term of endearment. It doesn't necessarily mean that the characters are related in any way. He says, I pray you school yourself. But for your husband, he is noble, wise, judicious, and best knows the fits of the season. So Ross is actually quite dismissive of Lady Macduff's concerns, and almost rebukes her for doubting her husband. He asks that she school herself, meaning get herself under control. And then he praises Macduff, saying that he best knows the fits of the season, meaning that Macduff knows and understands what the times are like and would know better what the best course of action is. Of course, the audience know that Macbeth has commanded Lady Macduff and her children to be murdered. So they will realize when they hear Ross say this, that actually, Macduff isn't as wise as Ross seems to suggest. Ross then comments on the tragic times that Scotland is facing. He says, cruel are the times, and then uses a metaphor of a wild and violent sea, which throws you each way and none meaning that it throws you around in all directions and you end up going nowhere. This is a metaphor for the cruel and chaotic world of the play. The idea that the characters are passively moved around by this stormy sea suggests a lack of agency or any control over the the events that are happening to them. And there's this idea that in the end they don't even get anywhere, which demonstrates the futility of the struggle, the pointlessness, and almost sort of suggests that life has been made meaningless. Ross then goes back to trying to reassure Lady Macduff by saying, things at the worst will cease, or else climb upward to what they were before. Meaning that when things seem to have hit rock bottom, they either have to end or start getting better. In order to bring in some literary context here, you could refer to the structure of a tragedy, which usually starts with a good character, Who goes on a downward spiral, causing an immense amount of suffering for themselves and other characters. The audience feel a strong sense of pity, and maybe even fear. Some of Shakespeare's tragedies end with a small sense of hope for a better future, and some end much more bleakly. But either way, the tragedy ends with a sense that something has been learned. There has to be some kind of relief or purging of emotions for the audience at the end, and some kind of learning. Ross's words suggest that the suffering of the play may have almost reached its peak and that soon will be moving into what is called the falling action when the hope of resolution becomes more apparent to the audience Ross's words clearly do not manage to comfort lady macduff as after he leaves she says to her son your father's dead such is her certainty that macduff's decision was foolish and dangerous The bird metaphor is continued in the conversation between Lady Macduff and her son, when her son says he will get by okay without a father by living as birds do, and Lady Macduff replying that he would be in danger from all different kinds of traps, the net nor lime, the pitfall nor the gin. The idea that this young child living alone in a world full of so many dangers represents the state of the world under Macbeth's rule. Her son even seems aware of the harshness of the world they live in when he says, there are liars and swearers enough to beat the honest men and hang them up. Meaning that there are enough dishonest and treacherous people in the world to attack the honest men and kill them. So this young child's view of the world is that it contains more evil and deceitful people than it does good and honest people. So we're getting to see how Macbeth's influence is affecting so many different lives. The affectionate interactions between Lady Macduff and her son show her to be a dramatic foil for Lady Macbeth, as she is portrayed as a warm and loving parent. Although they are both presented as brave women, capable of speaking up for themselves, the key difference is in their maternal attitudes. Lady Macduff here is shown as a caring and protective mother, which contrasts to Lady Macbeth earlier in the play, saying that she would be prepared to dash her own baby's brains out. A messenger then enters and warns Lady Macduff that she should take her children and flee. Lady Macduff says that she has done no harm, and so shouldn't really need to run away, but then she admits I remember now that I am in this earthly world where to do harm is often laudable, to do good sometime accounted dangerous folly. So she's saying that the way of the world means that it doesn't matter whether she's done wrong or not. The world is unjust, and so evil may still be done to her even though she's done nothing to deserve it. So again, Shakespeare is giving us this impression of a harsh and cruel world. Notice too that her statement here essentially means bad can be seen as good and good can be seen as bad. This is the repeated message of fair is foul and foul is fair. It really does permeate the entire play, reinforcing again this idea of the chaotic and unjust world where nothing is as it seems. She says that to say she has done no harm is a womanly defence, which in this context means it's a weak and ineffectual defence. The murderers enter and kill Macduff's son, and the scene ends with them chasing Lady Macduff off stage. This murder scene differs from those prior to it in a couple of important ways. Firstly, the audience is forced to watch a child get murdered. And secondly, this murderer is less secretive than the others. Duncan was killed in his chambers at night, and it did not take place on stage. Banquo was killed at night amidst darkness and confusion. But now, Macbeth is bold and rash enough to have the murderers commit a murder during the day, because of course he believes that no one can harm him based on what the apparitions told him. And so it seems like he isn't even bothering to hide his actions anymore, because he's less afraid of being caught. Therefore, the audience are forced to watch this murder happen in plain sight thank you for listening to Understanding Macbeth. I hope this was helpful for you in deepening your understanding of the play and getting you ready for your exams. If you want to access additional episodes and other exclusive content, you can find more information about the full online Macbeth course at www.advanceacademic.co.uk forward slash macbeth hyphen course. And as a podcast listener, you can get 20% off any of the course packages by quoting the code MacbethPod. That's M-A-C-B-E-T-H-P-O-D. You can also reach out to me there about private tuition, revision support, and my practice paper marking service. Until next time, goodbye and happy studying.